everybody. My name is Sandra. Welcome to uh, this episode of Dishes and Dimes. I'm with my girls, uh, Iman and Noor. And today we have a very, very special guest. I'm not quite sure how to, you know, introduce him. You know, he's a illustrious writer, part of Basketball News, and uh, he's written for Dime and Bleed. He be, he also is one half of the very popular Dunker Spot Pod. And so um, I want you guys to help me <laughs> um, introduce and uh, celebrate this amazing um, person that we have on our pod today, Mr. Nikias Duncan. How are you doing, Nikias? I am doing pretty well after that intro. Thank you. Was it? Was Glad it to be. Should I do it over? I'm not quite sure. Uh, like I, I was just expecting, oh, here's this uh, random black guy we found on Twitter. Right. Okay. But, you know. Is that Jalen Brown? <laughs> we got, how many names did we hear yesterday when we posted that? LeBron. LeBron, oh, Al Jefferson, <laughs> Jalen Brown, it's like Leonard. Problematic. I saw PJ Tucker on there. Is he a black yeah. guy with a beard and all of a sudden he's every other black guy with a beard, so... It's a very odd dynamic. This is why I have the header that I do on Twitter because this right. is what this is what's been going on for years on this app. Like I've given up trying to curb it. Sometimes they're wrong, but when they're right, they're right. You kind of do look like Kawhi. I no, absolutely not. <laughs> it's your brand, Nikaya. And this there's lies about Jalen as well that I can kind of see there. You know, I just I just don't see it. I don't know. Like I just look like myself. I guess I don't. Know. <laughs> And everybody other, every other like basketball player on the face of the earth. Love looking like 250 players in the NBA. It's great. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I told Nakayas I'm going to turn him into a Raptors fan. Um, And so obviously I'm going to bring him on this very, um, very much a Raptors podcast. And so we kind of have to talk a little bit about the Raptors and uh, what's happening with them or not happening with them at this point um are we still trying to get into the plan are we not still trying to get into the plan what's happening ladies this is the worst year to try to become a raptors fan (laughs) not a good time to get in on them um no the raptors are not trying to make the play in the raptors haven't been trying to make the play in um they i don't think they'd like actively try to avoid it as hard as um, some other teams, the Orlando Magic, let's say. Um, But they also haven't been gunning for it. They are prioritizing just playing their, like developing the young guys. So we're trying to see Pascal Siakam become like Pascal Siakam the last few weeks has really just become the player that he was prior to the bubble last season. And a lot of that is just playing him extended minutes and runs. So we're going to see him drop 44 um, against the Washington Wizards. We're going to see him drop 39 against Los Angeles Lakers. We're going to see the Raptors put him in a situation to excel um, while still not necessarily gunning for a play-in spot. They're just working on developing their young players and their young talent so that next season they can hopefully come back better and stronger. Nora? Yeah, like Iman said, it's the worst time to be a fan. So it looks like Nikias is buying low. I appreciate that. That's a smart investment. Good job, Nikias. <laughs> um, I don't think we're making it. I was on the train, I think, until the trade deadline. And 
Um, ever since then, all the other injuries and little things that have been happening, it just like at this point, like it's completely out of our control unless Washington wants to lose every single game and Chicago wants to just give it to us or the Pacers. I mean, we're talking about the Pacers, right? But like, that's maybe our last hope if the Pacers are just going to turn into a turn themselves on fire at this point. But I think uh, when you think about what the long-term effects are going to be of the postseason and like what the odds are of you winning anything of going far, it just doesn't make any sense. Use this time to see what you got, the new guys that you brought in, whether that be Gary Trent, Utah, Malachi, Jalen Harris, um, Ken Birch, Freddie, like you literally have a whole new roster, literally a whole new lineup. So see who these guys are, see how they um, let them gel with the other players and come back next year and see what happens in a real season. This is not a real season. I'm different than you in that. Like I switched post trade deadline. I was all aboard. We were, we were the tanking train. I was, I was all about trading and then they didn't trade Kyle Lowry is what it came down to. And I was like, you, you have the greatest player in franchise history. He's 35 years old. Who knows how many great runs he has left in him. Why are we wasting a year of that? But that's something that the Raptors have decided to do. I don't know if they're planning on keeping him next season. I don't really understand it for the team moving forward. So I I don't really know what this team is going to look like next season. Um, but for this year, they're done. They're packing it in. They're going to be, we've got like five more days left of Raptors basketball before we're going to call it quits. That's it. What about our resident Raptor fan, Nikias? How is the <laughs> outsider looking in? Tell us, Messiah. Okay. Messiah. First and foremost, uh, I respect the Raptors and their organization. I will not call myself a Raptors fan. I do not anticipate that happening. I'm going to turn them uh, into one. Hey, I'm leaving. Hey, I'm leaving the pod. This is a no, good don't one. Worry. Don't worry. I'll turn them into one. <laughs> I'm working I, on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know about that part. Anyway, um, it's been odd to watch, right? Because I fully expected Kyle Lauer to be traded at the deadline. Like, there was just a lot of smoke there. Um, just the negotiations with Philadelphia, with Miami, the late push from the Lakers. Like, I figured he was going to go somewhere, and that was going to be a natural point for Toronto to kind of pivot. And then they didn't. So then I kind of figured they were just going to push for the play. And because when they've been healthy, like all six times that's happened this year, they've been a very good team. Like, even with the bad record, they had a positive net rating, which was odd, to say the least. But, I mean, the proof has got in the pudding. So... I was expecting them to kind of make a push there, but then everybody just kind of fell apart. Like how Lowry's missed a bunch of time. OG's missed a bunch of time. Um, Fred's been in and out of the lineup and now they're kind of shifted to playing their younger guys and kind of developing them. So I feel like it's definitely not a hard tank, but it's, it's a youthful pivot, which I guess is slightly different, but would probably have the same result. Like we're not going to push a guy like Kyle or push a guy like OG if they're anything less than 100% and just kind of giving the young guys or even less than the young guys, just the unproven players more burn just to see what you have in them, see who you want to bring back next year, what a potential team could look like. So I think it's smart on their part to shift to that viewpoint. Um, but it is kind of odd to see them make this shift while Kyle Lowry is just kind of there. I couldn't agree more. Plug, I just wrote a piece basically talking about what we're all discussing here right now on Basketball News, so check that out, um, where I discuss it not being a full-blown tank, but it's still 
kind of being a tank if we're focusing on not winning games, but actually developing your young guys and not playing your veterans as a result of that. I mean, that's a very good point. I, uh, I really, uh, I don't know. I've been conflicted. I've been back and forth with the idea of them being in the, in the playoffs. Um, part of me is always going to, I think they have the heart of a champion. So (laughs) even though they've had the shittiest season um, of shitty seasons, I I kind of assumed that they would figure it out and they've started to figure it out, but it's been, it's, it's just a little bit too late. Um, If by some miracle they can get into the play-in, I'm not going to be mad at it, you know, Um, but I'm not, you know, dying for them to figure it out either. We could get a pretty nice draft pick. They can um, rest up, for the off season and we'll see them when they're back in Toronto. So that's kind of how I feel about it. It's not neither here or there. Um, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, oh, well, let's just pretend this season ever ha- ever happened and let's keep it pushing. That's kind of how I view it. Um, so I guess we got to talk about the league at large. And we had a couple of games, um, more so the matchup that I kind of thought was really interesting was the Nets. Bucks matchup because that could end up being an Eastern Conference um, matchup. And I kind of wanted to see what you guys thought about it. Like, who do you think has the upper hand here? Is it the Nets? Is it the Bucks? Um, personally, I think, even though it makes me cringe to say it, I think the Bucks might actually might actually have a good chance this year uh, to make it to the final, maybe even get to the final um, out of the East and into the finals um, this year. So I, I was wondering what you guys thought, like, what do you think about the matchup? Um, who do you think has the upper hand and what do you foresee happening in the playoffs? Okay. I'll jump in. Uh, I kind of agree with you. Um, I, I agree with you. I am kind of scared of the Bucks. fear the deer. Um, this might be the one year that they actually win in six in a series. Um, my, possibly be against the Nets. But um, I here's the thing. I keep going back to the fact that the Nets have the most firepower. And we've never seen these two teams play against each other with all three of the Nets guys there. Um, Kyrie Irving missed the first game and then James Harden missed the last two. So it's hard to really um, sort of gauge any of that. I, I also go back to the fact that like, okay, yeah, you're throwing in Kyrie, you're throwing in Harden. Does that kind of cannibalize the offense at a certain point? Does Kevin Durant not go for 40 or whatever it was that he had in those games? Um, and what I keep coming back to with the Milwaukee Bucks is what team is going to build a wall that's going to stop Giannis? Like, how do you stop Giannis Antetokounmpo? Um, and that's where I keep coming back to, because every time we talk about the Bucks failing, we talk about it against teams like the Miami Heat and the Toronto Raptors that have the defenders to do that. And the Brooklyn Nets simply do not. And I had Nikaias on the morning, uh, the morning tip off right after, I don't know if you remember this Nikaias, but it was right after the Bucks and Nets game. And we were talking about that. And I remember asking you something that you thought was really interesting in that Nets and Bucks matchup. And you mentioned it was Bud using Giannis as a screener and how that freed up Chris Middleton. And I remember watching that game and just continue to watch Chris Middleton hit every single pick and pop shot from the elbow there. And I mean, yes, he missed the game time or the game winning shot at the buzzer, but he was phenomenal in that game. And we saw Giannis struggle, but 
I didn't think that DJ would be able to contain me on this moving forward. So I was never really worried about that at all. And what we've seen in the last two games is the Bucks. I mean, the Nets just don't have anyone to stop the Bucks, And that should be very, very scary for Brooklyn because that means that they possibly won't even make it out the second round. Yeah, like I've been on the Bucks train all year long. And I feel like that's been... So you're um, a Bucks fan, but not a Raptors fan, and you're on Dishes and Dimes? I am. You heard it here, here. First, folks. Wow. <laughs> you I heard am. it here first, <laughs> folks. This is what we're doing. I see. I see. I am not a Bucks fan. Also, it did bring me a little bit of joy to watch you, uh, watch and listen to you big up the Bucks. Um, you praising a Chris Middleton team on purpose is... Oh, be right back, guys. I'm going to go be sick. Disgusting. That's, that's tremendous content. But no, like I've been on the Milwaukee train all year long. Like I feel like their top, their big three is very good. Like Giannis is a multi-time MVP. He's having an MVP caliber season this year. Chris Milton has been, has had an all-star caliber season. Drew Holiday has been tremendous and has been Milwaukee's second best player, which I think bodes well for Milwaukee considering Chris Milton has still been pretty good this year. So I don't think people really understand how much of a leap Drew Holiday is from Eric Bledsoe. And I think that's kind of where a lot of the hesitation comes in. Like, first and foremost, they are in wait-and-see mode. Like, I understand that just with the way that Milwaukee's playing about the last couple of postseasons, just an inability to change and make adjustments and running into a proverbial and a literal wall in the second round for the last two seasons. And I've been encouraged by the fact that they have been trying new things on both ends of the floor, like more Giannis as a screener, just reconfiguring the offense in general, um, more switching on defense, um, making tr- uh, making trades, notably trading for P.J. Tucker, so they can downsize a little bit more, go to Giannis at the five, and kind of unlock that lineup. As it relates to the Brooklyn matchup, like I do think Milwaukee can win. Like I, I would have them in a series right now. Like, I understand the firepower that Brooklyn has, but I also look down the roster and it's like, I don't see how they defend Milwaukee at all. Because their best option at defending Giannis, who may just be the best player in the series, period, their best option to defend him is DeAndre Jordan. And DeAndre Jordan, kind he's not a switch big, so that kind of makes them alter their defensive attack. And then from there, like, if he's the biggest guy you have, and Giannis, um, particularly in the second matchup when he goes for 49, he just punks him. Like, DeAndre Jordan hangs back in the paint, gives him 15, 20 feet of space. Giannis just goes to the rim, shoulder into the chest, sprinkling in jump hooks, he's sprinkling in fadeaways, he's dunking on him. And it's just like, if DeAndre Jordan can't do it, Blake Griffin sure as heck isn't going to do it. Jeff Green isn't going to do it. Like, Kevin Durant got a few possessions and he did draw. I hope I'm not confusing the second game and the third game, but like they got matched up a few times between the, that two game series. And like KD drew a charge on him, but even on that play, Giannis is a quick move, shoulder into his chest, and he dunks on him. So it's just like, who can keep him from the rim? And if you can't keep it from the rim, that's just going to open up the shooters and everything else. And if you have Chris Middleton playing against an advantage, like that's a plus for him, fantastic pull up shooter. And if Drew Holiday is playing against an advantage, he's not Eric Bledsoe. Like, not only is he better at scoring, he also is a much better decision-making. So even if you send extra attention there, it's kind of tough. Like, I just I just don't trust Brooklyn's defense enough to beat them four times. So does that mean that you're guaranteeing a Bucks win on our pod today, Nikias Duncan? I don't know about the game. 
I don't know about a guarantee. I would just say that if I had to choose between those two in the series, I would choose Milwaukee. Okay. I mean, you I can't are. really argue with that, to be you honest. Are, what say you? Because I know you are big on the never trust the Milwaukee Bucks. Right. And I think that we need that voice very loud on this podcast. That's why I don't think I should have that voice when the smartest people in basketball are telling me the opposite. And I'm like, well, actually, <laughs> I think, well, okay, everything you guys said makes sense completely because we've seen the Milwaukee Bucks completely dominate strangle, like assassinate every other team in the regular season. It's just been wild to watch, right? The pairing of Bud, even Chris Middleton with Giannis, it's just been insane. And then, but like you guys said, because they took out their, um, uh, the one guy that wasn't serving them, Bledsoe, and they brought in, I mean, they could have let Middleton go too, but then they brought in Bledsoe. <laughs> I started to brought in the holiday afterwards. <laughs> it's, been, it's been great for them. But my, my only concern with them is you're looking at a team with, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and James Harden. And these three are people who can score on command whenever they want to give them the ball and they'll get their own shots. And so I think the way that I look at it, if you're able to stop Giannis somehow, I understand you have Drew Holiday. I get you have Chris Mendelson. They have their other shooters who can take those shots. But if somehow, if you're stopping Giannis and winning through that, that's, I think, a fight that the risk that you're willing to take if you're going to have shot for shot with, you know, Kyrie and Drew Holiday, shot for shot with Middleton and Durant, because at that point, who do you give it to? You give it to the nuts. Yeah. I give it to them more than I give it to anybody else. And then plus, add in Bud. I don't trust Bud with an inch of my soul. I never will. <laughs> Not ever. Okay, maybe he's making adjustments now, but those adjustments in the regular season are okay. But when you have to do that in the postseason playoffs, especially if you're a coach like Butt, who's very, very stern with to what he follows, that's going to be a hard task for him. That's going to be a big wake up call for him. So I think like and you're putting that next to the Nets, like that's how he tries it out. That's when it's going to be his, his experimental <laughs> time to be. So now let's see what happens. I don't know. I think we're like as as great as the Bucks are, as much as I love Giannis, I think that we're not giving credit to the shooting crazies that are on the nuts. Like they will demolish you. I think that's such a fair point because a lot of these games really did come down to the wire. And in a game that comes down to the wire as a shot creator, who am I trusting to take a last second shot? If you're asking me for the top four guys in the league, three of them are on the Brooklyn Nets. (laughs) Three of them are on the Brooklyn Nets. And so considering in in the postseason, the game really does slow down and you need, as the Raptors are very familiar with, you need a guy who can get his shot off. You need a shot creator. You need a big wing that can do that. And the, the Nets have so many of those guys. Um, so I agree with you on that point. But I wanted to ask Nakaya something really quickly because you did talk about the, the Bucks uh, switching defense. So there are a couple of things for why I guess you're more confident in the Bucks, or we're all, yourself, me and, and Sandy, are more comfortable in the Bucks is is that they, we've seen them try new things this season. And part of that is a more switch style defense, less of that drop with Brooke Lopez, who's honestly 95 years old. But my question is, their defensive rating has dropped significantly this year, right? Mm-hmm. They're probably about, I think they're the eighth in the league right now, and they've been you know the best defense in the league. Do you think that that matters at all? Do you think there's anything to sort of read into that? Um, I don't think there's much to read into it. Um, like their defensive rating with uh, with Giannis, Chris, and Drew on the floor is 
pretty much on par with what they've been the last couple of years. So I think <laughs> the lineups that matter are going to be really good. And again, like I'm fine with a dip from first to a still top 10 mark if you're doing new things and going through those growing pains. And also going through those growing pains where you miss like two weeks of Drew Holiday because of COVID. Right. And you miss some random games with Giannis because of the ankle and other things. What so, about the fact that they start a man named Dante DiVincenzo, who's, I mean, Dante DiVincenzo. <laughs> Like, I think Dante's fine. Like, okay, mm. fine. he's a fine. <laughs> he's shot. He's like he competes on defense. Like I worry about if there's one thing I worry about. I wonder how they're going to dole out the matchups with the big three healthy because I don't like Dante Dimensions on James Harden because where Dante is good at fighting over screens and contesting. He isn't that strong, and James Harden is a guy that can just kind of bully his way to the rim whenever he wants to. So maybe that's the Kyrie. Um, maybe that's the Kyrie matchup. And you like him on Kyrie? Uh, I mean, like, I don't like anyone on Kyrie. But, like, he's a guy that can make Kyrie work, at least. And you send help elsewhere. I mean, I mean, so in that case, do you guys think it's Eastern Conference finals or busts for the Milwaukee Bucks this year? Yes. Like they have maybe to not it. for Milwaukee, but for hundred percent for Bud. If Bud doesn't make it past, like if he doesn't doesn't make it to Eastern Conference Finals, like he's not gonna be allowed in America afterwards. And he's not coming to Canada. He's not coming here. Hell no. <laughs> I'm gonna watch um, the border myself. He's I think it's Eastern Conference Finals are bust for for both of those teams. But is it Finals or bust for the Bucks? Probably not. Like they can probably exhale a little bit. They have a little bit more time just because Giannis did sign the contract that he signed. Um, but yeah, for Bud, I mean, your days are numbered if you don't make the Eastern Conference Finals, sir. I mean, but isn't there a point that Giannis could also demand a trade if things don't go? Because I mean, they've kind of hampered themselves in terms of their future and what kind of changes they can make to the team. So if he, if they don't make it to the finals or they don't make it to the Eastern Conference Finals, and Giannis realizes, okay, they can't make many changes to this team. This is the team I have to roll with. Um, he might decide that it's not worth tying himself down. He could always demand a trade. So it kind of no doesn't seem like that point. Cause no, the Raptors yeah. will take him, but, um, I, I, uh, Happily. a couple of things. One is, I, it doesn't seem like Giannis is that type of player, especially like right after signing it for it to be this year, maybe down the line, but also part of the benefit in signing a guy to a giant contract like that are the assets you can get back when he demands a trade. You're never going to lose him for nothing. So even if they trade, there's going to be a haul that the Bucks get back for a guy like Giannis. So the pressure's not as much on um, them as it is to the Brooklyn Nets who gave up a haul um, for James Harden and need to contend and need to compete. Otherwise, they don't have any of their picks for the next eight years. Or <laughs> any pick control. I think that it's finals or bust for the Brooklyn Nets then? Because I don't yes. think so. I think, I think this is the first year the team has barely been healthy. There's been so many other, like, just adversities that have been affecting them in that way. So I feel like maybe not this year, next year, maybe, but maybe just not this year. In my opinion, it's finals or bust. You don't bring James Harden, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving together. We've seen the major injuries that a guy like Kevin Durant has gone through on the two of those guys are over the age of 30. Like it just, it feels like there's way too much riding on them for them not to make the finals this year. I think it's Eastern Conference Finals of us. For them. I mean, they will be scheduled to meet in the second round at this point with where the standings right, are right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think there's more pressure on Milwaukee at that point 
than Brooklyn just because this is first year. They're still trying to, for Brooklyn, you're still trying to figure out who your front court is. Yeah. It's not like they could make many moves there. And even one of the buyout guys they got, LaMarcus Aldridge, retires like three weeks into a stint. So I don't think there's much pressure on them. And then you add in the fact that KD's missed so much time, Kyrie's missed time, missed time. Like it's it's a lot to navigate in year one. So I think that there's going to be a little bit less pressure there. For Milwaukee, like this is kind of what the season has been for. Like you're making all these adjustments and making these changes to prove to Giannis that a, we're good enough. B, we're flexible enough to be good enough. So for you to make those kind of adjustments during the regular season, kind of build trust there and then lose in the second round again, that would be a tough thing to deal with. I don't think that pushes Giannis into get me out of here mode. But like for – like he he has to – he can't leave anything in the chamber. Like if Milwaukee loses to Brooklyn, it has to be because Brooklyn's big three just went – Nice. Yeah, and they were defended well and it just didn't matter and it's a six or seven game series and then you just kind of tip your cap to the team with more high end talent it can't be because you sat him for you know the last 15 minutes of the game instead of playing your your franchise player who's like 20 20 something have him sitting on the bench at yeah like in playoff game it's ridiculous yeah like it yeah, like if Brooklyn wins like in six and in that game six, Giannis has like 30, 15, and 32 post game. Like he just He's going to exit the building right afterwards. He can't stay. He's not going to do for You're going to lie. In 48 minutes. I don't know. We know Bud. So we're going to transition a little bit because uh, there's a team that we did not expect to be the seventh seed um, that might actually end up facing the Warriors in a play-in. Um, so what do you guys think? Like Warriors, Lakers, play-in, how are we feeling about it? Is it a yeah? Is it a no? What do we, do we want it to happen? I need it for Twitter. I need it for, I need, I need it for, like, beyond anything else, I, because I follow so many Laker fans and I follow so many Warriors fans and yeah. they have been on edge literally all year long. I need the jokes. I need the slander. I, I just need to see what kind of LeBron or Steph jokes pop up if either of those guys lose in the play in. So I need that. As far as the actual matchup, like I'm intrigued. You like Steph, LeBron, 80, you can't beat that. Like, <clears throat> AD versus Draymond has, has always been a fun individual matchup. The Lakers have the kind of guards that can make Steph's life tough. Um, Dennis Schroeder is very good at the point of attack. Alex Caruso is good at the point of attack. They have Contavious Paul where Pope is good at fighting over screen. So, like, they have those guys to kind of make him work. And then on the other end, like, it's Draymond kind of being the mastermind and kind of being a free safety, which I think he'd be able to do since the Lakers can't really shoot like that. So cramped floor, I would like to see kind of the chess match there in the half court. I'm I'm here for it. <laughs> um, as a Raptors fan, as a new Raptors fan, something you I'm just gonna teach you some th- things here. Number one, you mentioned the AD, like his face, he looks so over it already. You guys <laughs> um, and the Draymond matchup there. Um, as Raptor fans, we would always preface that by saying Siaka that multiple that's how you always have to preface things always with how well siakam is fared against them um brandon ingram we talked about it last year two years ago we don't talk about it this year (laughs) Hmm? 
I'll take, he's not taking notes. I don't see a notepad. I don't see a notepad either. But like, it's easy to remember. Siakam destroys Anthony Davis on every given chance. Um, and the finals. I mean, if you want to remember how well Siakam just came out of the finals, go back. It's right there. It's easy. It's so much fun. But um, <laughs> uh, I like it. It kind of feels, and I mean this in the least disrespectful way. Have you guys seen like Bad Boys 3? Yes. You know, like when you're just like, oh, they're old and they're back together and we're watching this movie. Mm. Kind of how I kind of just like am excited to watch this. Wow. Okay. Like, oh, it's like a reunion okay. tour. It's wow. like when B2K tried to do the reunion tour, that, like why tour that they had. Ma'am. I just feel like we're going to get that. <laughs> I, I'm kind of looking forward. I'm like LeBron's going to walk Walker. You're kind of an old man. Um, and like, I don't know, Marianne's not old, but like, yeah, that whole like, you know, Scream Tour 2 reunion thing that they tried to do before COVID came and ruined it for everybody. That's kind of what I'm looking forward to. It's just, it feels nostalgic. It reminds me of my childhood. I feel like the last time I watched Stephen Curry and LeBron James go up against each other, I was in the seventh grade. Um, so it's just a lot of fun. Wow, that was shady as hell. I said I meant it with the least amount of disrespect. Oh my god. Well, utmost respect. disrespectful, sis. Utmost respect. <laughs> Can you tell the championship changed us a little bit? <laughs> Different they people. Never, they should have never let the Raptors win. They should have out of silver fucked up. Out of silver <laughs> should never <laughs> Now you just gotta let us have Cade and now I have a winning complex because of you. Good job. <laughs> That's why we're suffering right now because we I was scared of this. Our team is shit, and we're like, what the hell, bro? Like, what's going on? Uh, yeah, no, I'm. Do you guys feel the same way? Not like nostalgia. Doesn't remind you of Robert Munch books? Wow. Okay, sis. I'm. Yeah. <laughs> I've had enough. <laughs> so it's yay for the play. <laughs> um. Yeah. No, I'm super excited to see it. Uh. I hope Stefan um, beats LeBron. I want the Lakers to suffer. Here's the thing, though. What's kind of like boring about it is going to be a seven and eight matchup. So even if the Lakers do lose that they still can win one more game to make right. it in, right? So right. it's like, it's not going to be the end of the world. It's not like a do or die thing, which is kind of right. boring. Yeah. I wish they were like the nine and 10 seeds, you know? Um, but the Lakers, unfortunately, Adam Silver is going to have to go to commission. The Lakers are not losing. He's They're going to call Tim Donahue back to rep this game. But if some, <laughs> man, somehow that happens, LeBron will not let him have a job in America. Adam Silver, <laughs> Gonna have to send this application to like Europe. They're He's never gonna, gonna do it. The, 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 they're never gonna. The Lakers are making the playoffs. They're LeBron fine. LeBron set up the narrative already. He talked about whoever like I see. created the play in should be fired. Like if he's out, oh no. People That's are what I'm saying. Jobs. We're never gonna hear from Adam Silver again. Um, the do or die game. Do or die game. There's no one I'd rather have on my team than LeBron is. Exactly. As much like. There's literally, and to me, there's no one more fun in the NBA than Stephen Curry. So I would just love to watch both of those teams just go at each other, knowing that they still have one more game. Whoever loses it, they're still not out. I think that's what I'm most excited for. I don't really care who wins. I mean, I do care. I want the Warriors to win. I just want chaos. Just the worst things possible in the, in the season just to happen so that it just proves that this season doesn't mean shit. So I want the Warriors to win, but I think like just in general, having, like you said, LeBron and then having LeBron go off against Curry, just these two superpowers who can do whatever they want on the court, how, however they want it is going to be so entertaining. And then knowing LeBron has that 
legacy in his head where he's like, shit, I dropped from one to seven. And if I don't make it, I can't like, he's gonna do out of the world stuff that we probably have never seen before in case like, oh, I think he is gonna have to play the play the play in now, right? Like, is that what they're leaning towards? I haven't noticed the Western Conference standings in a while, but is that where they're at? They are yeah, right now they're, they're 17. They're, they're a game and a half behind Portland right now. Oh. Five to go. So, I so are we are we not excited for Skip Bayless to tweet about how Michael Jordan would never be in the play-in? We're not excited <laughs> about that portion of it. As Canadians, it's so easy for us to just ignore that man. I wish Americans would also ignore that man. He's awful, but so state of the state of the media landscape, I guess. Like that's just well, that's why we have Unicaius. We're gonna. <laughs> We're going to get you to take over. What is that? What is he? Fox Sports? Never mind. We're not going to do that. Um, <laughs> basketball News is going to is going to give you your own show. Right, we'll see. We'll see. So, I mean, I don't know how to transition to this topic. Uh, <laughs> but uh, the Pacers are falling apart. And it's all Nick Nurse's fault. fault. <laughs> I love how we're on the well, same page. <laughs> Since the same um, apparently, like, everybody that works for... Nicholas Nurse may or may not, I'm not saying that they are, but they probably are assholes. Because apparently, um, Nate, um, he shouldn't be head coach of any NBA team. Uh, but what do you guys think? What about this, um, whatever the hell is happening with the Pacers? Can I just say the whole situation is weird? It's very weird. That's no, you cannot. That oh, it's too late now. I already called it weird. <laughs> but, no, it's it's weird because they shouldn't be here in year one. Like, how poor of a personality do you have to have to be not even through your first season in a COVID oh. year and have this kind of turmoil. Like the Jake Fisher story for Bleacher Report is talking about how poorly he communicates with like staff members and just, I mean, staff members, like arena workers, like he, the players don't really like him like that. And it's, <clears throat> this isn't your ordinary hit piece. No. This isn't the organizations having doubts type stuff. Like they have very, very, very specific stories to reference in that article. And I'm just like, how are we here already? I don't know. For those of you guys like, who haven't actually read the article yet, um, as Nikai's pointed out, it's from Bleacher Report. It's written by Jake Fisher. And it is all about Nate Bjorkren, former Rams assistant uh, coach and current head coach of the Indiana Pacers. And oh boy, like Nikai's is mentioning, is it a hit piece in a way that honestly felt fake to read like I'm not I'm not discrediting his stories or anything like that it just felt like it almost felt like this real right like it felt like I wasn't reading a real NBA piece but it is and that's what's so crazy about it um what are your what are your guys I just wanted to give some background to the people who who hadn't um maybe read it yet or hadn't have been living under a rock haven't been on Twitter um hadn't heard the story what yeah, do you, what I mean, are your guys take I I kind of assumed everybody knew but you know I <laughs> like, um, I don't know what to think. Like, part of me is like, it can't be that bad in year. Like, it's not even the end of year one in a shortened season, and they already want to get rid of this guy. Like, it can't possibly be that bad. And 
um, it says league sources say, and we don't know which league sources have said that, you know, Nate should be out. And then you have players that apparently um, have problems with Nate saying that they don't want to be attached to this story. So it's just a lot of layers and it's not very clear who's telling the truth, who isn't. Um, Nicholas Nurse, (laughs) I I tend to call him that, sorry. Nick Nurse has come out and said that um, he stands by Nate. It's, he's a really close friend of his, and those things that were said about him were untrue. Of course, the Raptors organization isn't really going to speak on issues internally. They never do. And so if there were any issues with Nate, we wouldn't know. I think we probably know more about Nate now that he's not on the team than we did when he was on the team. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I just, I don't know what to make of this whole thing. If it's true, I don't think he's going to get another head um uh coach position in the league again um it's uh, ruins your ruins your career so i i hope um some of it is an exaggeration and if it's not um hopefully they could they could figure it out i like i kind of want there's so many quotes and it's referencing so many different people and yes nick nurse has come out and didn't like said that you know nate is is great and he kind of made reference to like, well, who are these people that are saying things? You've got Western executives, you've got all these anonymous sources. No one's going to come out on record and say these things. But there are also a lot of Pacer staffers um, that have commented um, and have said things. And, and, you know, for those of you guys who, once again, have not read the article, I recommend that you do. But a lot of the stuff is just about how difficult it is for Nate to work with people, Um, how much he likes to micromanage manage things, how controlling he is, and just you know, for lack of a better word, how much of an asshole he is. That's what the whole article is about. It's just about him not being a great game manager or not no, a personality manager, I should say, has nothing to do with the X's and O's. And so the entire kind of story just builds up by talking about how after Nate McMillan, and we've talked on this podcast quite a bit about Nate McMillan and his style of coaching um, last season and just how the Pacers were dead last in three-point um, in three-point attempts, and they just played a, a style of basketball that was a little bit more outdated, something that, you know, Raptor fans had kind of railed against when Dwayne Casey was head coach, and all changed when Nate Nurse was brought in. And that's kind of what the Pacers were looking to do by getting rid of Nate McMillan and bringing in Nate Bjorkren, who was coming in from the Nick Nurse coaching tree. They were only looking to two coaches, it seemed like. It was Nate Bjorkren, and it was Chris Finch. And they did an extensive search, because everybody knew that they weren't going to keep Nate McMillan for very long, even that extension that they gave. Um, I think the article even mentions it, that that was kind of there, <laughs> but not really. No, they, they had no plans to really keep him in long term at all. And so they hire Nate Bjorkren, and he has a relationship with Kevin Pritchard, but they hire Nate Bjorkren um, after only really speaking to Nick Nurse, it seems like, and not doing their due diligence, not actually doing the extensive search that they should have done, talking to other teams that he's worked for, talking to TJ Warren, who played under him. There's even reports that TJ Warren wanted out, wanted out. Like, and, and TJ Warren has come out and, and denied this. And it's you know important for us to mention that he has come out and denied this um, in a tweet, in a vague tweet um, that was definitely in reference to the article. But he also, you know, they, they talk about him also getting a season end, a season ending surgery um, to possibly avoid Nate Bjorkren. There are a lot of accounts in here that just detail how much of a 
asshole, once again, for lack of a better word, that Nate Bjorkren is throwing other coaches under the bus um, and just all sorts of things. And it, I don't think it bodes well on Nick Nurse at all. Um, I don't think this bodes well for the Raptors, but also like Sandy said, there've been so many quotes from Raptors that have been on the record. Guys like Fred Van Lowry that have come out of, and this is prior, I'm not going to say in defense because it was prior to any of this. It was back when he was um, an assistant coach to the Raptors coming out and talking about how much they like him. But the article does reference his time in Toronto and how much of a micromanager he was. So there's just so much going on. I think we're probably going to get more information as time goes on. But it's not just league executives that say this. It's Pacer staffers. But also the fact that it's league executives that are talking also does not bode well for the Pacers or the Raptors because clearly this information is known elsewhere in the league. Why the heck didn't the Pacers do the due diligence to find this stuff out? Yeah, like they've kind of done themselves a disservice with the way that they kind of handled their search. Um, if this is all of the blind spots that they missed. Um, and even to your point about like it not being an X and O X's and O's issues, it isn't directly, <laughs> but like at a certain point, your X's and O's don't matter if you can't communicate with the people that you want to execute your X's and O's. And even to that point, like it's hard to establish a system on both ends of the floor, like in a vacuum. It's doubly hard to do so when you're trying to implement all of the things that you were doing as an assistant under Nick Nurse of all people. So like if your calling card is, hey, we're going to throw out different zone looks, we're going to trap this way. So sorry, but with the Raptors, with the Raptors roster, that actually fits Nick Nurse's style of defense. You're looking at some bonus and you're looking at what the Pacers have. So sorry to cut you off, but it's just not the same roster. Right. It's not the same roster. And not only does the Raptors have the personnel for it, they've had that personnel for an extended period of time. So like, it's easy to add layers onto what you're already doing when you have that kind of talent and you've had that talent in your building for multiple years. You're trying to implement like a multiple system with an entirely different personnel in a COVID season with a weird off season while also having an issue with, uh, well, reportedly having an issue with one of the best players on the team already. And like the team itself goes through injuries. They have some COVID stuff. Like it's, it's hard enough to try to do that. And if you can't communicate, like this is the year that you need to build trust with players because everything is weird. There's so much more to navigate this season than in our effective matter, then they're going to tune you out. And if they're tuning you out while you're trying to implement like 17 different things at the same time, then none of them are going to hit home. And if they don't hit home, you're going to have what you have from this Pacers team, which is an inconsistent bunch that looks out of sorts trying to do and navigate multiple things at once and not having a handle on any of it. And I just want to say it's not just personnel as well. Like they're according to the article, the behavior was cited as the cause for an assistant coach's resignation. So it's not just your players, but it's your staff as well. This is, I don't know, like the, the Pacers are an interesting bunch. Um, <laughs> but I, I also, I wonder how this looks for the Toronto Raptors. I wonder what this looks like for Nick Nurse's coaching tree. We talked about it so much at the start of the year. I think when they, even in that article, they mentioned a very specific story about how whenever he was with the Raptors, he would have the players go through him to speak to Nurse, which is wild. Like, think about that. A, mm-hmm. An assistant coach being like, hey, I know you're Kyle Lowry, but like, you got to get through me to get a Nick Nurse. And I don't know in what world that could happen. You know what I mean? Like, I just, 
I don't understand how that could be a possibility. I think for sure there's no way you make allegations like that about someone without there being truth to it. Um, especially just how, I mean, just the way that things have been played out, there's no way that he's going to have a job or should have a job, but the extent of the, the things that have, that has been mentioned has just been like nuts, especially with the Raptors too. Right. Cause that makes you think like, we don't know anything that happened. We're organized. We don't, we're, we have no idea what happens. We find out when people leave, we don't know what happens when they're here. I mean, I think it works with the Raptors because I think, I, I think it worked with the Raptors um, specifically because Nick Nurse is probably good at mediating the situation. Um, and so people just kind of accepted Nate's like weirdness. Um, and as long as you're winning and you're a winning team, like the, the weirdness that you have to kind of accept from assistant coaches and coaches isn't going to be a problem. When you start losing and it doesn't look like it's going to get any better, um, that's when it becomes an issue. So I think part of it is that uh, things aren't working on the floor um, and it's bleeding into um, his personal relationships. Um, and again, like this is a reminder that it takes a certain personality type to be a coach just because you're good at X's and O's does not mean you should be leading a team, um, case in point, the, the Pacers, right? Um, so it's going to be very interesting to see how this works out. Um, it doesn't look very good on Nick Nurse or the Raptors necessarily. Um, and I think teams in the future might be a little bit more skeptical to jump on that Nick Nurse um, coaching tree um, moving forward. So, I mean, we'll see. We'll see how it works out. Um, I didn't mention it when we started this segment, but that was the dish of the week. Uh, hopefully, uh, Nate figures it out or goes and sees a therapist or something. <laughs> he can have a job. Doesn't um okay he so, says he's working and growing you know working on growing and not being an asshole i don't know like just trying to be a better person i just feel like that's something that you learn in kindergarten i feel like not <laughs> as an adult right okay. and maybe don't like go for an mba coach coaching job if you don't like have a personality and people can't stand you that's just i'm just throwing that out there can I ask you guys, though, what do you guys think about the fact that the Raptors have just come out so positive on him? I know we don't want to spend too much more time on this because we got questions that we want to head to. But um, what do you all think about how much the Raptors have just kind of not said anything negative, at least when he was an assistant coach here? Do I think that they just lie to us. I don't think they lied to us. I think it's more they got used to his weirdness, like I said. So it wasn't it's not. Yeah. And plus, he wasn't the head coach, right? Like, Nick probably had say. Um, Do you think it's just Nate, Nick mediating? Right. I, I, I think most of the issue, like, they probably did bump heads with him. I, I highly doubt you have a, pers- a a type A personality like that and people don't bump heads with him. But I think there's a difference between him um, trying to make sure that you go through him to talk to Nick and him being the head coach and he, he, him getting to dictate everything that happens um, on the team. I think there's a difference yeah. there, right? That's so fair. I don't necessarily think they lied. I think the Raptors don't tell us their business. 
first of all. So everything's going can to be you? Positive. We need better dish segments, like, Raptors. I know. Like, can you guys do something, please? Like, y'all are really yeah, next, next game. Who's doing post game next or pre game next? We got to start asking them the tea. We just got to sit there. <laughs> like, like, y'all no. need to get the, the drama <laughs> pumping up in here. Like, I, I'm tired of finding, up, finding out things after they leave. Like, how about we find out things while they're on the team? Okay. I feel like there's got to be someone on the team that's like the weak. Yeah, dude. That'll spill everything. No, you guys. This is our organization. They don't leak. They don't say shit. They keep it to themselves. How it should be. Listen. I love it. No. I love the I need drama. Keep it. I know, but like, look at us. We talk about other teams like they're, you know, it's like the Kardashians. We just, and with us, no one can say shit. It's amazing. I know. We have a podcast. We need something to talk about. (laughs) I know for a fact that that 2019 season was messy as hell behind the scenes. And I need the drama. I need it. I'm so mad. Open Gym didn't show like, Fred Norman Powell has been talking every time. I'm doing interviews every single day for the Portland Trailblazers. I feel like that's our in. I feel like he's got all he's got all the dirt. That's that's how we get that's how we get him. Messiah Jerry can't can't put him in trouble. He's already traded him. What's the worst thing he can do now? Trade back for him. <laughs> oh God. That's the worst thing. You're supposed to be a Raptors fan. Come on, Nikaias. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get into our mail. Let's get into our dime bag. Let's, let's, let's get, get into, into our dime, dime bag. Dime bag. <laughs> All right. So although people did not know who our illustrious guest was today, they still sent in some really dope questions. So, I mean, they knew that we would have an illustrious guest. We hid your identity. Pretty well, um, if I should say so myself. Mm-hmm. I thought so, too. Good Quality job. stuff. Did a good job. Hey, now, does anyone have the questions there? <laughs> Um, PD Webb at Above the Break 3 asks, what are the best and worst uniforms in the league? Ooh, best and worst uniforms in the league. Um, <clears throat> I feel like I just hate all of OKC's jerseys. Yep. And yeah. it hurts my heart because I love so many of their young players. But, like, that's even more reason to hate their jerseys. because It's fine. Know. The Raptors are stealing the, all of them. Who? Come home. Shay, come home. <laughs> This is very true. Moses uh, Brown will save you too. <laughs> that might take a little bit more work. But um, yeah, I think OKC has the worst jerseys. Best jerseys. <clears throat> There's uh, a wrong answer here, Kaya. I feel like I'm gonna get yelled at already. Um There's the wrong answer here. <laughs> I feel like shouting out like the Bucks jerseys just to make y'all mad. But uh, my actual answer, like, those are hideous. They're the ugliest. That's such an ugly shirt. And it says Cream City. I'm good. I'm absolutely like, those jerseys are awful. Like, I'll say it. They're so bad. They're so nasty. Ugh. Fitting for a man. How would you say that? Gustin. Again, I I just want to troll for a bit. Like, my actual answer would probably be. I don't know what they would be called, but like the black and yellow um, version of the Laker jerseys are really clean. Um, I'm partial partial to the, not this version of the Heat Vice jerseys because they are doing a little bit much. I like them, but they're not top tier. Yeah. Um, The original Vice jerseys for the Heat were great. They're fire. Um, I like the black and I don't think it's teal, but like I like the black Memphis alternates that they've brought this year. Those are very good. Uh, also, like Atlanta's 
their alternates this year. They're very clean. Said everybody but the Raptors, bro. The Raptors also have very good jerseys. Like, sir. I, I can't give y'all ammo because this, this is, is gonna turn a Raptors into- podcast. You got to give yeah. us the right content. You can't just be. Caius, did you do your research? Hello, on- sir. Not- it's a Raptors I research podcast. on you. Did you do the research on us? Do you respect <laughs> We're your he colleagues. So, like, I, hello, sir. I, There's I no respect here, guys. I do like Toronto's jerseys. You I will butter us up a little bit. I, okay, I, I'll do a little bit better. Okay, thank you. Appreciate no it. Problem. You looked at Toronto OVO and saw Milwaukee and said, "I like Milwaukee." I like right, the like that's so insulting. I am. I'm ready right to here. vomit. I don't actually disgusting. Like okay, honestly, offensive gag. Just want to be clear. I don't actually like the Milwaukee. Can you know what? Talk? Okay. I hate the Thunder. Can we complain about this? <laughs> Is this a complaint to Alex worthy? Dear Alex. <laughs> we were nice enough to bring the Caius on our pod. And, and he, he bullied us. us. <laughs> he bullied us on our podcast. We gave him that. a platform to speak and he wow. bullied us. Wow. I don't know if um, that- <laughs> no, but those those Thunder jerseys, the ones that kind of look like a Portland Trailblazers remix. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Like, why are you trying so hard? You left the Northwest. Why are you trying so hard? Stop it. Or just move yourselves back. I don't understand. I don't like it. Also, the Washington Wizards jerseys look like pajamas. They look like pajamas. I don't like them. I honestly <laughs> felt like... <laughs> The Raptors losing to them, it honestly felt like I, it, it felt like treason almost. Like, I don't know that the Raptors deserve to come back to Canada at this point. It was so bad. I don't like the American flag on their jerseys also. Like, why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? It's pretty much an American league. You don't, you don't need it. Um, those are hideous jerseys. Um, I do like the Memphis Grizzlies ones that you're referring to. I like the Black Lakers ones. And also the Heat ones this year, you're doing the most. It's so much. Like I, it honestly, like I feel like I need to change the saturation of my television every time I watch them. Mm-hmm. And the Neapolitan ice cream, don't like that one. I don't. Not even a little bit. Mm-mm. It's like a candy cane running the this the court, and it's just I'm like, am I hungry? Do I want to watch basketball? <laughs> what am I feeling right now? I can't figure it out. <laughs> Miami. <laughs> Sandy, do you have a do you have a favorite or a least favorite jersey? Uh. The Raptors jerseys are the best, but I'm I like guys. those. They're so fire. I think they're so dope. I know Raptor fans don't like it, but I like yeah, it. The shade purple like could be dude. better. The, I don't, I'm not be in love with the purple, but I, I think it looks really good on them. I do, I, I do. I, I'm not in love with that shade of purple, though. Like, yeah, I, but I love like, that they're purple. I love that. I love that they're purple. Love they they just give me um, nostalgia vibes. Like, so <sighs> I'm, I'm actually just really tired of the Chevron. Like lo- like the the we the North arrow thing that they they have going on. Like I'm t- how many jerseys are you gonna? You literally that's they're lazy as hell. Like they literally put the same thing on every fucking jersey. Like we've had enough. Like what are you guys getting paid for? Figure it out. Like if anyone in in, in Florida is listening right now, also I heard um, Amali Arena is selling jerseys for fifty percent off. I can send you my address. Um, the <laughs> nearest shoppers. Whatever you need, like the nearest Canada Post, like, you know, it's hard. It's USD. Actually, you know, it's USD. No, a conversion should be okay, right? It's still half off. You should be fine. Anyway, if you're listening and you live there and you're and you have a home address and you have a stamp that you can send over, please. Your girl needs a Pascal Siakam. Uh 
what's it called? The OVO jersey or a Utah or an OG, whatever you find, just send it over. <laughs> it's something good out of Amali. Um, so Ashley Docking at Smart Ash, one of our faves, um, asked, should we just concede that the MVP award is going to go to the best player on the top team in one of the two conferences and nothing else matters? Thank you for your time. Um, so, I mean, no. I just want to point out we're saying this to a, a Chris Paul fan, Stan, at that. So um, he might feel some kind of way about this uh, this conversation I had. First, you are very loud right now. I also, mean, I like I'm I've been annoyed with the Chris Paul push. I saw that. Like I don't like just talk about how good he's been. That doesn't mean like sixteen and nine is MVP worthy. We don't we don't have to do that. Um, just to answer the question, like I don't think it has to be that strict because I think I mean Nikola Jokic is what in the four C right now. Yeah, and he's been arguably the best player in basketball this year and has dealt with it quite a bit. So <clears throat> I don't think it has to be that. I will say, I mean, the winning still has to matter. Yeah. So maybe not top two seed, but like home court, like, or maybe depending on the strength of the conference, like maybe you can extend that to five or six. Yeah. I don't, I don't want it to be a case to where you win like 47 games and you're in the sixth seed because the rest of the conference is, is absurd. Hmm. Could you, you know? possibly be talking about someone who recently won MVP? I feel like they might have been. Interesting. Because my name might rhyme with Bestbrook. Um, all right. Next question. But Blake Murphy, he wants to know when does season one of NBA Twitter Bachelor start? Someone who's not familiar with the show. I don't know. Is there going to be one? Can I host it? Who's the bachelor, Nikaias? I don't, I don't know. That. Blake, would you like to be our bachelor? Like, I don't know, but I'm down to host. It yeah, feels have- messy. We need drama. Let's get it. We need. We just want content. We want to dish about. We need content, okay? especially because the Raptors aren't going to be in the playoffs. I'm not going to be so, like, What are we going to do? We're going to just talk. What? Like, are you what? More about the Milwaukee Bucks? Like, intentionally? <laughs> Like oh, because they're winning. <laughs> Ew, that. Why are you guys doing this to us? What yeah. are we gonna do? Like Disgusting. literally, what are we gonna Can do? You imagine just like sitting here and being like Brooke Lopez. Uh, no, never. <laughs> never want to do that. Not not interested. Gosh, NBA imagine having to talk like a about great idea. Talk about Blake Griffin in the year twenty twenty one. I mean, we do talk about Blake, but. Uh, I'd rather talk about Blake Murphy. Not, I'd rather not. talk about Blake Murphy than Blake Griffin in the year 2021. That's a take I can get mine. Or is mad. <laughs> you know that's her boo. Her boo. Well, I can't say shit because you put Blake Murphy in there too. Because now Blake Murphy will be like, Nora, seriously? Is that what you said on the pod? <laughs> Smart. <laughs> All right. So, Oren asks most important offseason priority for Pascal Siakam. What do y'all think it is the most important off season for priority? And here's the thing. I'll say Pascal Siakam today looks so much better than Pascal Siakam in two months. Looks so much better than Pascal Siakam four months ago. Um, but what do you guys think is the most important um, off season priority for him? I would like to see him tighten up the handle because I think that opens up literally everything else. Smoother pull-ups, more effective drives. And if he's able to get more paint touches, that's going to open up more of the passing windows for him. So get the handle tighter and 
he may be in business. Sandy Nor? Pretty much the same thing. Get the handle, the ball handling on point. So we're not scared whenever you dribble into the into the paint. Like I don't want to like hold my breath whenever my number one option has to dribble into the paint. Like that's not that's not conducive to winning. So let's just, you know, work on that. He'll he'll open up his game and uh yeah, like he looks spectacular. I don't think people are giving him enough credit for what he's been doing the last couple of games. Like he really looks like the Pesco we've been expecting him to be. And I'm really excited for what the offseason um, brings. It's going to be great. Nor? Um, I want him to find something that gets him angry Ooh. and just think about that constantly and let that fuel him so that when he's in a bad form on the, on the court, he can just refer back to that, get himself agitated, get himself angry, get himself pumped up, and go hit a layup in someone's face and put someone in their face. Well, whatever, whatever you gotta do. I just think at some point the smile's gotta go. Sorry? It might just be a picture of oh, Anthony that? Davis at this point. For whatever reason, he gets up for games against Anthony Davis. So it might just be a photo of him. Maybe it's the unibrow. I don't know. There's something that he doesn't like. Can we get the Raptors to have like a dartboard or something of AD before he goes to the games? Just, you know, look uh, at it before oh, well. he gotta go. Round him up. I love, I love it. I love it. I think that's all um, he needs, honestly. I, I, you know what? I agree with, I agree with everybody. I agree with everybody here. I want to see, I want to see him be able to shoot better off the dribble. Like you said, tightening up his handles just going to matter so much, but that pull up three, um, honestly, just his three point shooting in general, honestly, his shooting off the dribble in general. Um, but specifically just the ability to do it is something that like, he's gotten much better. His like his pull up game's gotten much better. He's able to shoot off the dribble now than he wasn't a few weeks ago. But that three point shooting, like if you're looking at the shooting splits this year compared to last season, it's dipped so much. It's gotten better a little bit, but it's still like under thirty five percent in the like since the trade deadline, <laughs> and it's like twenty nine percent on the season or something awful like that. So just seeing him bring that back up. Uh, whether it be catch and shoot threes or shooting off the dribble, that's just something that Pascal Siakam had in his game, which is why I was able to make fun of Giannis. And I can't do that anymore. And I need the ability to do that. So Pascal, if you can give me more ammo, uh, I would greatly appreciate it. Um, <laughs> explain the origin of LNBO. How do they know? How do we know that we would have you on the top? I have no idea how they knew. But um, Big Turt at Liangshu23 asks, can you explain the origin? Of I think we all want to know. I mean, like, I don't curse. And, like, sometimes I laugh a little harder than your regular LOL. So I had to find some kind of alternative. So I just switched some letters <laughs> around. And here we are. And now it's become a branding thing where I just kind of want to laugh in a uh, in a PG matter, I guess. As an Ontarian, I often see LCBO. Um, I'm not going to lie. So it's just, it's taken me a second to, to readjust. And recognize it's it's not about alcohol. It is it is a form of laughing. <laughs> it's it's a lull. It's not lick though. It's, it's a lull. Lull. <laughs> <laughs> Um. All right. Um. Ooh. I like this question. Dream Sizzlack. Not saying I don't like everybody's questions. I love them all. But come playoff time, of the three best teams in the Eastern Conference, which one has the smallest margin for error? Smallest margin for error? I think the smallest margin for error is probably Philly. Mm, yeah. Because they didn't trade for Kyle Lowry. How you right. like them apples? <laughs> uh, Kyle Lowry would 
helped quite a bit, I would say. Um, but yeah, I think it's that because so much of their offense is going to go through Joel Embiid. And like he's gotten better with double teams, but he still isn't all the way there yet. And Ben Simmons remains just an incredible wild card in like the half court. So like if he isn't bringing it, then they go from wild card in the half court is fun. <laughs> yeah, Rondé like, Hollis Jefferson against the Raptors in the last playoffs that he played. The last playoff series, I watched Ben Simmons, and he just he chilled in the dunker spot. You know what? Name of your podcast. So there you go. Nice tie-in. There we go. This, this is why they pay you the big bucks for the plus. Just that. But yeah, like I, if Ben Simmons doesn't bring it, that team just drops a tear for me. So it's at to be firing all. So speaking of the Philadelphia 76ers Kate. At KP Doll asks, um, can you please comment on all defense? There's a contingent of Sixers fans campaigning for Tybalt to be all defense. In my opinion, in her opinion, a guy who plays 20 minutes per game, doesn't start, and doesn't close crunch time minutes can't be one of the 10 best defenders. What say you? All of you. I understand the argument. However, like I feel like he's kind of an exception because he is so freaking good at defense. Like, he's one of the rangiest defenders I have ever seen. So, like, sure. Okay, like, we're going to get you watching OG and Obi games. That's what Sandy's here for. Oh, no. See, I'm OG. Joking. Has- I'm joking. I'm totally joking. I'm totally yep, joking. Yep, yep. That's what I'm here for. There's just there's just the beef between Tybal and OG, and I don't understand where it came from. I'm Raptor fans and Sixers fans going at it with each other. Um, okay. I don't get it. But. Yeah, okay. So, I wasn't aware of that being a beef. Like, I feel like OG's a better defender than him. Thank you. <laughs> I'm glad. Wait, I no, there's a but, and I think, and I think I agree with this, but I'm going to let you continue. No, like I, I mean, that's just kind of it. Like OG's a better defender than him, so I don't understand why that's even a beef. Like I figured OG versus Ben Simmons would be kind of the thing since they're both like starters, and I mean that is one as well. We punch down and we punch up. <laughs> this is a lot of punching. We're just petty. That's we're, what it is. I mean, listen, our team isn't playing well. We have a few things that we need to hold on to. And that's OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam. And Pascal Siakam. Sometimes. Kyle Lowry. I mean, Kyle's a forever thing. Um, Okay, that's... um, Regina at Young Walk asks, who's the worst French seven-foot player in the league? (laughs) (laughs) The worst French seven-footer in the league? That's very specific. I cannot, <laughs> I uh, can't think of who she would be referring to. <laughs> like, there's a lot of Montreal players. Are any of them seven feet tall? I'm trying to, like, now I want to pull up basketball <laughs> reference just to see, like, how many centers of French descent are in the league right now, just to see if there's anyone else I can pull from. Like, I guess it's Gobert by default. She's going to be so like, happy that you But who is it. the best French seven-foot player in the league? It, this is a question asked by Iman at underscore no name. So I guess the real answer is, like, the best is Rudy Gobert on defense and the worst is Rudy Gobert on offense. Like, maybe that's how we have to do it. <laughs> okay. That works. That. that works. And that's why he's the face of basketball news. Mark Schindler at M Schindler NBA asks, when accounting for playing ability, off-court style and personality all equally, so it's playing ability, off-court style and personality all equally, who is, he asked your top five, we're running long on time here, we're going to go with who is your MVP? You got to name one person, we're talking 
off-court style, personality, and playing ability. And mine is Russell Westbrook. Thank you. Okay, I see that. Um, like, I think my answer would be Giannis. And I, I think, can't imagine Giannis in any clothes outside of a uniform. Does he but, a hoodie? Giannis is a hoodie guy. I hundred percent know he is. You know what? I think that. I mean, the real answer there, like Giannis, appeals to my aesthetic. Like he's a hoodies? very uh, yeah, I'm a hoodie guy. But also, like his personality, he's incredibly corny, and like I subscribe to that as well. So then you add in the encore production, it's just like this is this is kind of where is that? Like I think he's the answer for me. I respect that. Sandy Nord, do you guys have an answer to that? Ooh. No. Can I get Kyle Lowry's playing style, but match that with Blake Griffin's off-court? Personality? Kyle Lowry on-court, but Blake Griffin on-court. And then whose style? Oh, Blake Griffin. Sorry. Kyle Lowry on-court, Blake Griffin, everything else. Oh. Wow. Let's kind of respect it. (laughs) (laughs) Or you like, you could do like maybe a Blake Griffin of like a few years ago. No, it's fine. I like how. (laughs) (laughs) She's paused. She thought about it. It No, we're running with Kyle Lowry. And I respect it because Kyle Lowry over everything. Um, But Kyle Lowry does kind of dress like a sixth grader sometimes. Yeah. He's got the backward cap on. He. He, he like, is the yeah. opposite of what he is on the court. So that's why you got to go with the opposite of what someone's not on the court. I respect Sorry, it. So, well, let's do one more question. Uh, we, we had so many questions, but let's, let's close with, with one more. Thank you, everybody, for sending them in. S. Fendiar, just S, um, asks, what is your biggest pet peeve NBA players do on the court? Mm-hmm. Biggest pet peeve. Um, like, take the full court heave. Don't be a coward. Like, either shoot it or just don't shoot it and just dribble it out. I don't like the whole, I'm going to take the shot, like, half a second after the buzzer sounds thing. Like, that's very annoying to me. Also, I don't want you to dribble it out. That's annoying. Take the shot. Who cares about your field goal percentage? Take it. Yeah, like, you should just take the shot. But also, like, at least don't give the illusion of it. Like, just be one or the other. I can respect whatever choice you make. Also, going back to the French question, I guess the real answer is Vincent Poirier. I, I took this very seriously. Of course you did. I had to do my Googles real quick. Like, okay, cool. He was born in France. He stinks. Fine. So I'm so annoyed with you. I am so annoyed that you went and looked. Regina needs to be more specific. Ask like who plays for Utah or something. You know what I mean? She knew exactly what she wanted and you had to defy it. Like you're petty. You're just. (laughs) Isn't this like the Raptor fan creed to be petty? Is it Uchi Walker or is it one mic? What are we what are we doing here? <laughs> okay. I mean, you're right. No. Right, you're right. Raptors fans are petty. I can't argue with you there. Gotta be, gotta be. At petty. least we have a championship in the real yeah. world, not in a pandemic. Not in a um, pandemic. We have the last So does anyone else have like a pet peeve? Like um someone replied back. Yeah, I actually do. I don't I think this relates to I love Fred and I love um everyone who's a PG. I really do. But I I just I can't handle it when they're just dribbling the ball with like no with no shots in mind, no passes in mind, nothing. It's just going down the clock and it honestly makes me want to rip my hair out. Like that's that's my biggest pet peeve. It's like either pass the ball or shoot it, don't hold on to it. What what are you going to get out of it by holding on to it? What's going to change? Nothing's gonna happen. <laughs> You're just gonna lose the possession. 
That's it. Especially when it's Fred and you know he's about to drive to the, the rim. When Fred has like, the ball, I turn the TV off. I'm like, not today. <laughs> I mean, you, you might as well. You can go take a bathroom break. They're going to take our, come our back credentials come right back. They're going to snatch yeah. that. That's just how I'm getting into the until there's six seconds left. Might as well. Please don't listen to this. Love you, Raptors. No, really, Fred, I would never let you go for anybody else. I defended Fred with for everyone, against everyone. But it's that one thing. I think think even Fred knows. I think his wife knows. I think the whole family knows. Like, pass the ball, Fred. Please. I um so Gregor replied uh replied, responded and replied. I want to say both at the same time. Um, failing to get back on D, which I think is a really big one, especially if you're arguing about a call. Like, what are you doing? Like, when they're arguing about a call with a ref and the game hasn't stopped, your team is all the way back. Like, what are you doing? I I don't like that. Or when they're flexing, they, they like, made a shot and they're flexing and it's (laughs) like, they're about to hit a three on the other end. You might (laughs) I, um, one of my favorite players of all time does this. And you know what? I'm never annoyed when it's him. Um, trying to bait guys into fouling you on a jump shot when like, there's just no chance of it, you know? Um, and refs never call it. It's something that kind of annoys me at all times. Like you're just like, you're kicking your legs out. If anybody's going to call anything, it should be a foul on you. Um, but yeah, that's something that I find kind of, that's interesting. Kyle does that quite a bit. I said one of my favorites does that, but it doesn't annoy me when it's him. Yeah. I just wanted to, just in case no, the listeners don't know. When you're an undersized point guard, you go for Edvie advantage. You You gotta do what you gotta Um, do. And it's fine when it's Mm -hmm. him, but when it's other people, what are you doing? Right. Boucher, nobody's calling that. What are you doing? Oh, 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 oh! Jumping on an obvious pump fake. Like, what? Why, why are you doing that? Why? Like, Serge what Ibaka. are you doing? Jonas is not taking that three. What are you doing? What Serge are you doing? Abaka. Why are you doing that? Serge, Abaka, Jesus. My gosh! Why and, did you? No, with Serge, it's so slow too. It's so slow. So like, your brain is not. It's not like it's like. Oh, it's in the moment. You know, the defenders just like right. moving too quickly. No, it's so slow. You've had time to process this. He's not taking that. What are you doing? Like, look at the Why? look at who's like attempting the pump fake before you do that. Like, look at who's attempting the pump fake. Like, if it's the man, he's on the and he's on the on the line, it. like. On the three point line, he's not gonna shoot that. Like you have to know. Mars gonna pump not, fake thirty million times. Put your hands up. Not gonna shoot. Time. I don't care. Don't but, jump for the pump fake, please. I'm begging y'all. That's the most annoying ass shit. Anyway, listen. When they bite on that pump fake, I just get so upset. Like, what are you doing? Like, it's Rudy Gobert at the three point line. What are you doing with your life? Why? They forget all the okay. fundamentals. Like, <laughs> that's when you need Marcus Gasol, who just can't jump. <laughs> oh no! It's all come back to us, baby. She didn't mean that. She didn't she mean did, that. She did, and it's true. Thank you so much, Nikias, for joining us. You can check out. You should, if you're not already, checking out the smartest basketball podcast that's out there, the Dunker Spot. It's so good. It's so good. You guys have such so like. Good. I talk about this all the time. I, I genuinely believe the chemistry between you two is just fantastic. Um, you're very smart. Um, and it's just really well done. Check out all of the podcasts on the Basketball News Network. Um, check out my article on the Raptors tanking um, on basketballnews.com. Um, check out everything. You've written something recently about Chris Paul on Basketball News. Do you have anything else to to, to plug? Uh, 
well, this is going to drop on Monday. So by the time people are listening to this, I should have an article out on Jimmy Butler. Ooh. Um, I'll have Roman the baseline this Wednesday. We are going to have a live stream version of the Dunker Spot on Wednesday as well with a Ooh, guest. Special guest. Special guest. Special. Like you? Wow. Um, I don't know about all that, but we are going to have a special guest, uh, one of my favorite people in the industry. So I'm very excited to have Ooh. that person on. I didn't get my invite. Yeah, I was like, I'm not coming on. <laughs> what do you mean? Right. <laughs> I'm not on there. <laughs> you see, I'm on your pod already. So I figured, we, you know, we let this breathe a little bit and help boost you up. Then we bring you on later on. And because it's give and take, it's not give and give. I hope you know that. (laughs) (laughs) But thank you everyone for tuning in to another episode of Dishes and Dimes. Please do check out all the podcasts on the Basketball News Network, including the Donker Spot, which is very, very well done. Um, And that's it for for us. See you.